welcome to More Than Myths. Welcome to More Than Myths, guys. Welcome to More Than Myths. I'm Haley. And I'm Corinne. And every week we bring a new story to chat about and learn about that has to do with mythology, folklore, creepy, spooky tales that might be real but probably aren't. Hopefully aren't for Definitely. all of our sakes, as Hopefully we've already not. said. <laughs> um, but yeah, and we get to learn new things and blow each other's minds. Which we absolutely love doing. Every time. Every time. What you what you drinking? What you sipping on? That looks like a beautiful cup. Um, it's holiday season at Starbucks, and so I'm having a caramel brulee latte. But I just do one pump of the syrup, and I do an extra shot of coffee. So it's really subtle. It's very good. But it'll put some pep in your step. An extra pep in my stomach. <laughs> Your eyes are going to be wide open. <laughs> I'm going to be like, hey, guys, listen to the story. Oh, my God, I'm ready to tell you. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, that's funny. You're going to be like, Corinne had a triple grande again. <laughs> <laughs> got to slow down. You're talking way too fast. <laughs> you need to take Reel a Reel it though. in, Corinne. <laughs> yeah. God. Oh, that's funny. How are you? What are you drinking? I am drinking some tea. With some honey, and I've got a glass of water. Oh, fun. Yeah, you know, typical me, but it's not pumpkin anything. It's just some regular good old soothing tea. Soothing hopefully tea. I don't, hopefully I don't you sound, sound so, so much better. Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully I don't sound so squeaky. Yeah, I just have a little bit of a cough left still, yeah. which is <clears throat> pretty frustrating, but it's yeah. fine. I'm doing better, which I'm thankful for. Woohoo. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, happy December. Oh my We're gosh, in... it's Sagittarius season. Sorry, I'm sorry I yelled, guys. <laughs> it's my season. <laughs> Haley's, it's Haley's birthday month. It is. So hooray, December is birthday month. Hooray. One of our birthday months. And yeah. Oh my God. Yay. Sagittarius. Ah, I, you, I feel like you should read the Sagittarius horoscope just for today. Oh. But it, wait, never mind. That won't be any good because... We're in the past. Oh, so go read the Sagittarius hor horoscope today <laughs> and just see what it says and pretend yeah. we read it to you. <laughs> yes. With our voices in your head. Yes. Telling you. Yes. Your horoscope for the day. Precisely. Precisely. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, Good luck God. with that one, you guys. <laughs> yeah. I hope you understood what we're saying and <laughs> our intent, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Oh. Uh, let's see. What have I done recently? Oh, last Saturday, I went to a Rallycross event here. Um, mm -hmm. But Rallycross is in, like, cars. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So when I was little, I always wanted to be a race car driver. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. But so my brother. Adorable. <laughs> it started when my brother brought, a, I believe it's a Dodge Viper to my parents house and took me for a ride in it mm -hmm. and to my like I don't even know how old I was I think I was maybe 
seven or eight, like we went a hundred miles an hour. We probably didn't. We probably went like 50, but it felt really fast. Right. So since then, like my obsession with cars and going fast kind of just grew. Your and need so I- for speed was born. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But I remember telling my dad, you know, like, I want to be a race car driver. And he was he was like, that's that's a cool career, you know. And then I discovered Rallycross and being a race car driver went out the fucking window. I was like, I want to do Rallycross. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I got to go. It's just a small me. It's just, you know, local people. But it was fun mm-hmm. getting to watch people race around in the mud. Oh, my gosh. It was great. Nice. Yeah, it was that, a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. I just I don't know what to say. <laughs> it was fun. I was I am I know how much you love cars and so I and yeah. I know how much you love going fast. And for how <laughs> yeah. much I know you love going fast, you know my complete opposite feelings of yes. that. So I'm like, congrats. When we were together though, and I took you for a ride in my car, you were a good fucking sport. You like yeah, I was, I was worried like, oh, about is- I was worried about it being too much. But you were a good sport and my heart was so like happy and full and like I just loved it. <laughs> yeah, you kind of you you drove with me in my peak, like when we first met mm-hmm. and like I'd ride with you. That was my peak car fear I was still getting over like two really bad accidents I'd been in and so my anxiety was really bad when we first like you, you didn't know I didn't at the time. know that oh my and gosh, so I I've so always bad. just been no I've always been such a baby but I'm definitely like as I've gotten further and away from those I'm yeah. like much yep. more comfortable yeah. in the yes. car but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh my God, she's going to kill me. And you're like, I'm a super safe driver. I was like, I promise. okay, I'm not, I need yeah. you to go 30 miles an hour, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were always yeah. very respectful of my wishes. <laughs> yeah, this time it was. You held me at the top of the mountain. Remember when we went um, to Timberline a f- couple of years ago? And I really hate snowy roads. And there was no snow on the road, but there was snow next to the road. And we got to the top of the mountain and I just sobbed. Oh yes, because I, I was so wired. It was overwhelming. Up. I think it was. Just got, I was just yeah. waiting for a snowpack, and I just wasn't was okay handling it. And you were, you were, <laughs> I was you're so nice. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I don't like snow. It just makes me feel so scared. Well, I growing up in baby. Wyoming, I mean, that was that was normal, you know, having six, seven, eight feet of snow. And we'd have to, my parents live like, I don't want to say out in the boonies, but they live in a little subdivision that's got some pretty good hills and plow plows wouldn't always make it to our house. So Uh I can remember, you know, coming home from like church or something. And like my dad would have to plow his way through the snow. Oh my gosh. So I learned how to, I learned how to drive in the snow from my parents yeah. So it's, you know, if you're not used to that, it can be intimidating and very scary. <laughs> and it just, everything just closes here if it snows. We don't have to leave our house. It's fine. Oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah. you're fine. Nobody come out. We don't have any kind yeah. of equipment for this. Yes. The, the city shut down. Yeah. We're done. So we're like, <laughs> okay, bye. Yeah. So you just stay at home, like if there's snow, snow days. I snow don't days. think growing up, we ever had a single snow day. Not ever. Me either. Not ever once, I don't think. Not until I got to here. Not until I got to yeah. Washington. And yeah. then, so my 
fucking Idaho ass who's never seen a snow day. And while I've seen feet of snow and I've trudged through it going to school before, never in my life had a snow day, moves to Washington and there's snow forecasted and everybody's like, oh, do you think we'll get a snow day? I was like, do you think we're going to get that much snow? Right. Crazy. And so I I go to bed. My mom comes in the next morning and she's like, hey, it's – there's a snow day today. You don't have to go to school. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Amazing. I opened my window to expect like the smoke snowpocalypse of the uh-huh. world. Right. And it is dust. It's like two it's, inches. It Not even two inches. <laughs> That's I can still see grass. Oh my gosh. You, it was Ugh. dust and it was That's... gone by 11 a.m. Because there wasn't enough of it. excuse to stay home and – you know, oh, they just up with a good book. Oh man, yeah, no. Washingtonians were like, at least Western Washingtonians are like, oh, snow, no, just close everything. We're See, done. I, I feel like every time I've driven there and there's been a rainstorm, everybody just drives like normal, and that is what scares me. Like hydroplaning yeah. is my top driving fear. Oh, is hydroplaning sure. out of control, and people just. We're cruising along. It's like oh, it's yeah. no big deal. It's yeah, it's wild how different parts of the country take well, weather. Yeah, we're so in stride. used to rain, but yeah. even then, like when it's really bad, I just drive in the slow lane, and I just take mm. it slow. I'm like mm-hmm. everybody else can drive like a crazy ass, right. and I'm just gonna yeah. make yep. it there alive. Yeah, yep, that's the best so. thing. Words, words to live by. <laughs> yeah, we drove home from my dad's yesterday, which is about two hours south, and it was non-stop rain the whole time like oh yeah you know like mist that mm-hmm. you couldn't see a mile ahead of you kind of rain yeah um and i was like okay we're just gonna go 60 the yeah. whole time and just i'm gonna just slow. get out of everybody's rain. way i'm not yeah. dealing with that craziness right so yeah <laughs> nice anyway. so i think it's my turn to go first is that right yeah you want me to go first or are you too excited no i'm not I mean, okay. I'm, ex- I mean, I'm excited. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't, take, don't take that wrong. I'm excited. No, I did it. <laughs> so, okay. I'm ready. I'm going to tell you about a henge that isn't a henge. <sighs> I should have known. You, you wrote know? something in our description the other day that was about Standing rock stones. formations. Yeah. And I was like, that's weird. Where did she get that? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Stonehenge. That's where Stonehenge. I got it. Stonehenge. Yeah. Do you okay. know a lot about Stonehenge? Have you ever no. been there? No, I have no. not been to Stonehenge. I've been there. to the recreation in the mm. gorge. I is and, that in the United States? Yeah, in Washington. Oh, um, cool. On the Columbia River, there's a recreation of what it, they believe it should have looked like if it was, you know, pouring with concrete. I guess. <laughs> Wow, it's that's really, amazing. It's really cool to go see it. It's by the Mary Hill Winery. Um, we got to go. Board. So if you're list. ever driving through Portland to, you know, east on 84, it's on your way. So That's so cool. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I mean, we're going we're gonna to have to go check it out. Yeah. All right. So maybe it was built by aliens. Maybe yeah. it was built by Merlin, but maybe it was also a giant calendar. So we're going to get into all of these things. I'm going to tell you kind of some history 
possibilities of how it was built um, and just some cool information about it because it's fascinating. I didn't know. I knew a little bit about it, but really getting into the research and, you know, how they may have built it is just it boggles the mind. It it's boggles the really mind. fascinating. Okay. Um, so do you know what a henge is? No. So a henge also, do you know what semantic satiation is? No. That's when you say word over and over and over again and it starts. I was to gonna say say yep. like semantic. I knew the two words. Yeah. But We're yeah. going to say henge a lot. I'm going to say the word henge, henge a lot. So if I start to like henge. So a henge is actually an ancient earthwork enclosure or ditch. So what makes Stonehenge's henge unique is that the ditch is actually around the outside of the stones. Typically, it's on the inside. Mm-hmm. Stonehenge's is on the outside and you don't notice it because you're paying attention to these massive stones that are in the center. Okay. So that's, that's what a henge is. It's an earthwork. Um, the word also means hanging or suspended. And the common interpretation of the word means hanging stones. So that refers to the lintels oh. suspended between the two upright foundation stones. Yeah. So Stonehenge is unique because the circular stones in the center it's the only one like it in the entire world where <sighs> you actually have the lintel stones on top of the vertical upright foundation stones. you have to define lintel stones so the, your lintel stone is the stone that goes across the top so you have okay. your two uprights and okay. then your lintel is the one that's on on the top so it like, makes uh, it look like pie yep like a pie right. symbol yep uh, yeah, I was like, yeah. pie. <laughs> Sorry. You really 3.14, not a pie wedge. Not a piece of pie. I was like, wait a not minute. Not a piece of what? pie. I mean, like, I can go for a piece of pie. What are you talking about? <laughs> pie on the mind. Yeah, oh it's God. the only one where they have the horizontal lintel stone. And mm -hmm. the cool, it's it blows my mind. They were fitted together using a tongue and groove joint. So think of flooring when you fit floorboards yeah. together they fit together perfectly using wow. yeah yeah using this tongue and groove joint and then those those stones so if you want to pull up a picture of stonehenge because that might help kind of i should have sent you some pictures but that might help you kind of like visualize instead of my hands going up and down where you're just <laughs> right okay <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've got the basic in my brain. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good to look. Everybody, okay. stop what you're yeah. doing. Look so up a picture. Do. Look up a picture. Okay, now we're ready. So, so those, so you've got your vertical stones, and those are fitted together using your tongue and groove joints, and then those were fitted to each other using a mortise and tenon joint, which was all common in woodworking. That's how they would build their houses. So mm -hmm. they took what they were using to build their houses and they put that into their stonework, which is crazy because these stones are huge and they fit together perfectly. I mean, it's it's pretty. It's bananas. I can't believe there's people standing next to them. Yeah, they're enormous. I mean, when you well, see how big they are. Yeah. And also, they're just so old that you feel like that would be like protected. 
Like, no, yeah. you're not allowed over here. <laughs> yeah. Right. But no, I no. mean, you can walk through, I have been to Rome and walking through like mm -hmm. the uh, ruins next mm -hmm. to the Colosseum. And I'm like, we're just allowed to walk through this. You yeah. Know? It's just yeah. Weird. Yeah. But yeah. Well, and Stonehenge isn't, I mean, it's not complete. I think there was a hundred and there's only half of the stones remaining. I can't remember the exact amount. I think it was like 156 or a hundred and something stones originally were there, but there's only half of the stones remaining. All Some right. of them were probably taken for other construction or, you know, I, yeah. they were just, maybe they got destroyed. Um, so Stonehenge is located near Wiltshire, England on the Salisbury Plain, and it was built around 3,000 years BCE. Um, but it's Reminder, possible. BCE? It's before, before Common, Common Era. Era. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm learning. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but... It is possible that the entire area around Stonehenge was evolving for over 10,000 years. <gasps> yeah. Okay, but isn't that just the most wild? It's crazy. Is that there's history that we don't even fucking know? Yeah. Because yeah. it's just gone. Yeah. I know. It. It's sad. It's it, but, it, you know, I mean, there were people, they had families, you know, lives. They fell in love, had families. I know. You know? And then yeah. just nothing. But then that that's why we're here. I know. Is to tell their Thanks, stories. guys. <laughs> Wish we knew more. All right. I know. Anyway, go ahead. All right. Are you ready for another fun fact? Yeah. This one, this one blew my mind. Ready. Around, around the same time that Stonehenge was being built, right? So they didn't even have the wheel yet. Yeah. The pyramids of Giza were being built at the same fucking time. Like, they're both amazing structures. Yeah. But one is, I mean, they're both wild, but one people didn't even have the wheel, and the other people are building a fucking pyramid that's like, I don't even know how big the pyramid is. It's huge. It's huge. Myth check. It's yeah. <laughs> Myth check. <laughs> How big is the Pyramid of Giza? <laughs> yeah. No, I know. That's, oh, I knew this was going to say, but yeah. it's also super eerie. It's like, crazy. Yeah. So they were both built around 2500 BCE, uh, like a 500 year span of time. Um, wow. But yeah, it's wild. It's just wild. So, Stonehenge is worked on in stages, but like I said, before the very first stage of Stonehenge, probably around 8,000 to 7,000, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say BCE every single time, just know that no, it's BCE. I got it. Yeah. These early uh, Mesolithic, Mesolithic, hopefully I said that right, hunter-gatherers dug pits and they erected timber poles within 650 feet from Stonehenge's future location. So I don't know if that was maybe like a blueprint or they it was for mm -hmm. something else entirely. Um, possible. We're going to jump forward to about 3000 to 2935 during the Stone Age or the Neolithic period. And during this time, people just used stone. Their weapons were stone. Tools mm -hmm. were made out of stone. And around this time, the henge around the outside was dug using antlers, cow and deer bones. Um, it was also probably built 
or it was built with two entrances, the main entrance on the northeast and a narrower entrance to the south. Okay. So we're going to jump forward again into phase two. And at this time, workers dug 56 pits along the circle, and they would become known as Aubrey Holes. Um, years later, and I'm going to tell you about this guy. His name is John Aubrey. He actually discovered them centuries later. So in these pits, they originally put timber poles, and that's what they – this was the earliest version of Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. So we're going to time jump again to about 2550, and that's when phase three finally gets started. And this is when the stones were erected to make the Stonehenge that we know today. Okay. Um, it's believed that phase three was completed around 2000 BCE. Um, so the 4,000 years ago. 4,000 years ago. Yeah. The biggest stones of Stonehenge are known as sarsen stones, and they are named after a type of sandstone. They are up to 30 feet tall and on average weigh 25 tons. Yeah. So these these were brought about 20 miles from the north. Yeah, that is it really just I have no idea how they did this stuff. It's I can't even 25 tons. That's you. That's a uh, that's mass. incredible. So the smaller stones are known as blue stones. And they're igneous rock because they have a bluish bluish tint when they mm-hmm. get wet. When they get wet, um, these stones weigh up to about four tons, and they came from Western Wales, which is about 140 miles away. Oh, yeah, these stones were thought to have magical healing abilities. So people would actually chip off parts of them, grind them into a powder, add water to it, and then smear it on their wounds because they thought it would, like, magically heal any mortal wounds or any wounds that they had. Yeah. Ooh. So how in the hell did people that didn't even have the wheel yet move stones 140 miles that weighed, you know, upwards of four tons? <sighs> uh one theory is that aliens built yeah. Stonehenge in a book called Chariots of the Gods, Unsolved Mysteries of the Past by a guy named Eric Von Daniken. Mm-hmm. He figured that aliens built Stonehenge as a form of, form of communication and as a sign that they would eventually return to Earth. Over the years, people have said that they've seen columns of light coming from Stonehenge. They've seen UFOs over Stonehenge. But most of his theories have been debunked. It's not likely that Stonehenge was built by aliens. All right. Fine. (laughs) Another theory is that Merlin, the magician or sorcerer, built Mm -hmm. and moved Stonehenge to Salisbury Plain. So during the 5th century, the Saxons invaded Britain, but there was so much bloodshed that the respective leaders agreed to meet on Salisbury Plain, where Stonehenge is. They just decided to meet here. You know, they picked a mutual agreeable spot to try to negotiate a peace treaty. It had been agreed that everybody that came to talk would come together unarmed, but the Saxon chiefs smuggled in their knives and 
they all come together and they're chatting about what needs to be done to try to stop the warfare, to try to stop fighting. And at a signal, the Saxon chieftains drew their knives and stabbed the Britons standing immediately to his left. It killed all of them. <sighs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, betrayal. Betrayal, betrayal. Red wedding. Mm. Without the wedding part. Yeah. Just red. The red peace negotiation. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so there is a prince, a British prince in exile in France, and his name is Aurelius Ambrosius. Wow. And he, I know, he returned to Britain with his brother, Uther Pendragon. Ah! Yeah. Yeah, you know who that is. So Ambrosius won a major victory against the Saxons, and he wanted to honor these people that had been, these chiefs that had been murdered on Salisbury Plain. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to erect a monument in the exact spot that these men were killed. So, enter Merlin. Merlin tells the prince that there is this fabulous stone circle that was built by giants, which is called the Giant's Ring, and it was built on a mountain in Ireland. Aurelius laughs at him and he's like, whatever, like, how, how are we going to even get it here? I think he was using a little bit of reverse psychology on him. He's like, because Mer Merlin was like, easy, watch this. Yeah, he pulled a, an Aladdin and Genie moment. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> so Merlin and Uther Pendragon go to Ireland to bring back this stone circle. And according to legend, Merlin, using magic, transported the stones back to Salisbury Plain to honor the chieftains that had been murdered. Mm. So that's another theory about how Stonehenge was built. But I'm going to tell you probably the realistic version. The real version. <laughs> the real version. <laughs> it's still cool. I mean, there's not really any magic involved, but it's still cool. All right. <laughs> they probably used animal fat and a ramp. <laughs> I was going to say... Yeah. Packs of slaves. Like, yeah. isn't that pretty much? They didn't actually, they they did it all themselves. They didn't have slaves. Okay. As far, uh, as, far as I know, as far as I know, they didn't force other people, any, like, they, there wasn't any people that were forced to do this against their will. They all wanted okay. to contribute. As far as I know. That's great. If anybody has information that's different, let us know. Let us know. Yeah. So they, the holes were actually dug with a slant on the side so that they could like slide them in and then pull them upright because, uh, yeah. yeah, makes sense. Levers. Yeah. And ropes and, you know, yeah, probably man. tied their cattle up to it to try to heave hoe it into place. Um, so the bluestones came from the Priscelli Hills. And what's really interesting about them is they form natural pillars where so they went to the quarry and these stones would make natural pillars so they were actually able to detach these stones with minimal effort all they would do is they i say all huh. <laughs> <laughs> they they would insert wooden wedges in between these rocks and they would just wait for it to rain the wood would swell causing the pillar to break away from its partner pillar and then they would ease it down into onto platforms and sledges to yeah. or another thing was that they might have used logs like lined up a bunch of logs well, and had yeah. people you know like take Move the up. end log to the front yeah so yeah. that's another way they might have done it um but they would take them one of two ways they could either go north and go up to the coast and take them by sea 
which is right. bananas, or they could go eastward and take the stones overland via sleds or logs or whatever. So in 2000, a group called Mentor Priscelli wanted to test this theory. And okay. they wanted to move a blue stone using only ancient techniques, the 200 and 240, 140, how many miles is it? 140, sorry, mm -hmm. 140 miles to Stonehenge. So the stone they picked was eight feet by three feet and it weighed three tons. <laughs> the first day between 20 and 40 volunteers showed up and they were only able to move the stone tied to a wooden sledge a half mile. <laughs> yeah, it took oh them my months. God took them months to get it to the coast. Once they got it to the coast, they loaded it onto this replica ship from the Neolithic period, something that they would have used. And the goal was to get it across the Bristol Channel, up the river Avon, and then to Stonehenge. When they got it on the boat four miles out into the water, the boat sank. Yeah. They couldn't get it back without using modern equipment. But when they went down there to get the stone, there were other blue stones in the same area. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. It. But it's heartbreaking because you think, I mean, it took them months, right? Just and they probably the had more people, right? Just yeah. to get it to the coast. And then they get it in the water and the fucking stone would sink. And they have to start all over again. Like, that's probably why it took them so fucking long is because no kidding. their shit was getting sunk. Which is, I thought that was really cool, but also heartbreaking. <laughs> Also yeah, really but sad. at the same time, at least their hard work paid off. Mm -hmm. Like it's still yeah to standing. discover those at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, in the same area. Buildings now that are up and don't last. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Ugh. So another another theory is that archaeologists believe that the stones were transported via melting glaciers. But we don't actually have any proof of those glaciers existing. So that one's yeah. immediately debunked. Sorry, dude. Sorry. Archaeologists. <laughs> <laughs> so around 2000 BCE, there were additional holes dug around the outer circle. But we don't know what they were for. They might have just been for more stones. Maybe they were going to expand it. Maybe it was for more timber. I'm not sure. Um, but evidence of construction stops around 1520. Um, something changed. And we're not exactly sure what it is, but construction of Stonehenge stopped and it was completely abandoned. Um, scientists think that maybe between 14 to 700 BCE, the climate in the area changed. And mm -hmm. there's actually, um, there was an, a volcano in Iceland called Hekla that erupted in 1159. And it was such a massive eruption that it blocked out the sun, like the clouds of ash that came out of this thing yeah, blocked out the sun. So that would have affected people's um like growing period for crops and food. Yeah. Um, it probably made it a lot colder. I mean, it's probably cold there anyway, but it made it even worse. So yep. of course they're not going to stay there. No. So we're going to do a few more time jumps um, to get some more information about what we've learned about Stonehenge. So our first jump is to 1130 AD. And this was the first time it was mentioned in writing by a guy named Henry of Huntington. And he considered Stonehenge one of the wonders of England. Mm -hmm. We're going to jump to 1666 and a guy named John Aubrey. He's the one that discovered the pits and they were named after him. 
um, jumping again to 1700, William Stukely began a study. Um, he found what he found was actually really cool. He found that the arrangement of the stones was connected to the sun and the entrance <gasps> lined up perfectly with the sunrise. Yeah. So this is going to kind of go back to like Halloween, our Halloween episode with the summer solstice and yeah. the winter solstice. So on the day of the summer solstice, the longest day in June, when the sun would rise right over the heel stone, it's about the stones about 800 feet away from the main circle of stones. The shadow that was created would reach all the way to the entrance. <gasps> Stonehenge. That's so cool. Yeah. So it shows that the arrangement of the stones was intentional and they line up perfectly. I mean, that is just another level of crazy because these 25 ton stones were lined up precise yeah yeah with the sun with the heel stone they don't even have they don't even have a wheel they don't even have the wheel figured out how to precisely yeah 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 it is just it boggles the mind so we're gonna do a big time jump to 2016 to um ac ac did i say bce no. Oh, sorry. I was just a couple years ago, 2016. Been, but it's been time jumping between 2000 BCE and yeah. then 2000 AC. And then it's like, we've been going yeah. back and forth. So just Wait, clarifying. Which time zone? Are, which, which time zone? Which time? Where? Which time zone are we in? Who are we? <laughs> what time? Where are we? What's happening? So Joan Rankin and Lloyd Matthews proposed the idea that Stonehenge was a massive calendar. Um, these two had three years of research and Matthews was actually this, um, master scale modeler and he built his own Stonehenge. So he, you know, if at three in the morning he had some crazy idea, he could just go out and study it. It was really cool. So they found really interesting information. The 56 Aubrey holes and the timber poles that uh-huh. would go into them was a system for counting days. So the position of the sun in the sky would align with a new hole every day as the earth revolved around the sun. And each day the pole <laughs> would be moved to a new hole working its way around the circle. Okay. So once the builders reached the 56 Aubrey hole, they would just start over. So we're going to do some really quick math. So to equal a year, it takes six and a half revolutions around Stonehenge to make a whole year. Mm-hmm. So 56 times 6.5 is 364 days. Our year has 365 days. But at the time that Stonehenge was being built, they only observed 364. And the day for the summer solstice was just an extra day. So it actually it actually all adds up. Wow. So they would they would mark the summer solstice as the start of a new year. And that was marked by the shadow created from the hailstone when the sun would rise. Right. And they're like, this is it because it's here and this is yeah. the longest day. Yeah. And yep. uh, why isn't New Year? I feel like New Year should be summer solstice. In the middle of the year when it's warm. Could you imagine It'd if be we really gotta nice. just like throw a huge fucking party? We could just do that June. if we wanted to. Why not? I say that's what we do from that's here. That's what on we out. do. Perfect. Done. 
So I have one final theory about, and I mm-hmm. think it was probably both. I think it was it was a calendar, but I also think that it was a monument that they built to honor their dead. So this <clears throat> William Stukeley, who studied Stonehenge from 1721 to mm-hmm. 1724 AC, found <laughs> Got it. the bones of a 14-year-old girl. And I believe that she was the first body that they found, I believe. Um, She was buried with beads, a bronze hairpin, and parts of a javelin. In 1800, William Cunnington discovered 200 burial mounds. They found ashes, staghorns, weapons, pottery, bones. They found a gold dagger and two pieces of gold in the shape of a diamond. So, yeah, in 1920, William Hawley was excavating one of the Aubrey Aubrey holes, (laughs) and Uh he found cremated human bones inside of the Aubrey hole. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're going to do another time jump. So from to us, and I'm sorry, there's a lot of time jumps. Um, From 2003 to 2009 – there's a gentleman named Mike Parker, Mike Parker Pearson. Sorry. He directed the Stonehenge Riverside project during this six year period. His team explored a new henge site on the river Avon that is linked to Stonehenge. And this is actually, it's called a super henge because it's massive. It's huge. And this would, they would actually later call it Durrington, Durrington walls. Uh So it's about two miles northeast, and it is considered one of the largest henges in England and in the world. Okay. So it's just a bank. It's just a stone, like a, not a stone. It's an earthen embankment, and then there's a henge inside of the bank, and it's, it's kind of a funny shape, but the entire henge measures about 1,600 square feet. It has four entrances, and these entrances align with the winter solstice and we'll have pictures on our Instagram. So I'm going to take some pictures so that you guys can kind of see what we're talking about when this episode comes out. So it's the exact opposite of Stonehenge. So Stonehenge was set for the summer solstice. Durrington walls was aligned for the winter solstice. What? Yeah. So during their excavations, they found evidence of a settlement and a community people lived here in timber and plaster homes there were about a thousand homes and they are estimated there was estimated to be about four thousand people that lived here at one time they raised pigs they would have huge feasts here based on like the animal teeth and the bones that they found and here is where they would celebrate the winter and summer solstices so These homes were carbon dated to 2600 to 2500 BCE. So it's extremely likely that the people that lived in Durrington Walls were the people that built Stonehenge. (gasps) Yeah. so So the River Avon borders both Stonehenge and Durrington Walls. And the river is kind of your direct link between the two of them. Like your easiest way to get from point A to point B. Your fastest. So the purpose of Durrington Walls was to celebrate life. 
And when a person would die, they would use the river for transport to the afterlife, both metaphorically and physically, to get to Stonehenge, which was a memorial and a final resting place for some of their dead. So it's thought that Stonehenge contains 250 cremations. Durrington Walls uh, was built from wood, which was both symbolic and practical, and mm-hmm. it was deliberately intended because it would rot away. Right. Stonehenge was chosen because it was a lasting monument to their ancestors. So when a loved one would die, they would have a funeral procession down the river, and then once on land, they would walk the avenue up to Stonehenge, where they would bury their dead. And this stretch of river was interpreted as a processional route along which the dead would enter the spirit world. Mm-hmm. And then upon reaching Stonehenge, they are reaching Stonehenge only after they had shed their mortal shell. <sighs> yeah. So as we know, these people were not the only ones to place so much significance on death and traveling right. to the afterlife. Like the Egyptians, as we know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of significance. The Greeks also believed that their dead had been ferried across the river Styx. Um, yeah. The Mesopotamians believed that when a person died, they would return to clay and the immortal part of them would travel to the underworld where they would cross the Kuba River and then they would be reunited with their families that had passed on before them. Right. So it's believed that Stonehenge was the largest cemetery, but it wasn't just that. It was a stone monument symbolizing the importance of their ancestors and the afterlife. So it wasn't just a calendar. It was this beautiful way to honor and show reverence for the people that they loved and lost. Wow. Yeah. So that is the interesting information about Stonehenge that I have for you. That's amazing. That's crazy. I was definitely expecting a lot more aliens. Oh, yeah. There's not a lot of information on the aliens. It's simply they built Stonehenge (laughs) and it was a way to communicate with us. And they might come back. That's it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I the calendar thing and the summer solstice with the shadow lining up perfectly is yeah it's wild wild yeah it's just <sighs> crazy that they had lined it up just perfect yeah. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. You're really excited. I'm really excited and I really feel like I need to explain myself because <laughs> this episode comes out on December 5th. Yes. There and it's our 12th episode. Yes. Okay. But our 13th episode we're doing a special thing for your birthday. So Yes. I I wasn't able to do this next week so for our 12th episode we're going to talk about why 13 is considered unlucky (laughs) excellent and there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons really yeah it's what 
it's really cool. I mean, so. I always knew that it was considered an unlucky number, but I'm excited to learn all the reasons why. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And and it's mostly I don't want to say western, but it's mostly western that it's considered unlucky. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of civilizations and um culture culture. <laughs> there's a lot of civilizations and cultures that think that it's a lucky number. So interesting. You know, it's okay. kind of it's kind of um interesting. But there's a few different situations where 13 can be um an unlucky situation or you when you wouldn't want to find yourself in. So um if you're dining with 13, it can be considered unlucky and I'll go into why that is later. Um they don't put a 13th floor on buildings. And I'll go into why they do don't do that. Um, and you know what is considered lucky though? Huh? A baker's dozen of cookies or muffins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean an extra cookie and an extra muffin. I don't really see the bad luck there. Every day, please. <laughs> Every day. Um. So there was this journal in the. British Medical Journal, they did this study about like if there's actually anything founded of 13 being unlucky. So hmm. there's one quote from this guy, Igor Radin, and he says, no data exists or and will never exist to confirm that 13 is an unlucky never number. However, a study of five Fridays that ended or five Fridays that were the 13th between uh, 1990 and 1992, found that there was a 52% higher risk of hospitalization due to traffic incidents versus Friday the 6th of each of those months. What the hell? Yep. And there were less people on the road because people don't travel on Friday the 13th. They don't travel on Friday the 13th. It's considered bad luck. And mm. so... um. This study was put in, as I said, the British Medical Journal, but I do want to also kind of call out, while the data is correct, the article was written as kind of like a tongue-in-cheek, like, joke. Ha-ha. Yeah. They're like, yeah, "Yeah, 13. You know, so it's like they made a joke of it, but it was also correct data. They found information to back it up. Yeah. So it was like, this is kind of a joke, but also maybe not. Not so, yeah, I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely going to include that because it's Yeah, that's cool. Um, so what are other ways that 13 is unlucky? So if you get 13 in a tarot card reading, it could mean death. Oh. Yeah. That took a very serious turn. <laughs> yeah. That's where it's like there's definitely um, – there's definitely – parts of this that, that's like oh it's really like it's a death omen yeah and then there's parts of it's like oh you're gonna stub your toe yeah right <laughs> you know um <laughs> that sounds about on point with everything else we've done <laughs> yeah it like, might be you die yeah. you might stub your toe we're not sure <laughs> it's one of those things um so witches covens generally have 13 um coven is usually any number but like a true coven and and like um we can fact check this too, but the the coven of 13 was the original kind of like established 
a number in a in a witch coven. Um, if you have thirteen letters in your name, it means you're cursed. That's why I'm I was counting my name. <laughs> nope, I'm good. Yeah, I was at twelve, and I was like, Whoo! I think I'm okay. That's why. That's why I was like having a moment. I was like, wait a minute. I didn't even check this. No, but first, I'm some good. examples for you. Charles Manson. Jack no. the Ripper. Oh, shit. Jeffrey Dahmer. Fuck that guy. Theodore Bundy. <gasps> no. Adolphus Hitler. All have 13 letters in their first name and their first and last name. Holy shit. Wild, right? Wild. <laughs> Some of like the most terrifying people in history. Or wow. you know, fucked up evil. Ted Bundy. Yeah. Wow. My mom went on a date with him. Well, I... not with him. Not with him. She was on a date with her girlfriend that went bowling with Ted Bundy. Yeah. Fucking wild. That story is just Sorry, you should I just had tell that story. There. We she... you should just tell it. She just was she her girlfriend got asked on a date by this guy and they decided to go bowling. And she remembers that he was like really charismatic. He was really good looking. She remembers that he had a Volkswagen Beetle. Mm. Like, yeah, it's oh, I'm so glad that she didn't get taken. <laughs> mm. Yikes. It's just crazy. It's, it's just, so wild. Yeah. That's Ugh. wild. Yeah. Super gross. Um, but yeah, anyway, that was the part that I was like, yikes. Yikes. So, you know, if you're wow out looking for a partner, guys, count the letters. <laughs> count their letters. <laughs> count their letters before you commit. If it ends up to 13, that might be a big red flag. That might be a big red flag. So, um, so yeah, as I said earlier, um, in the West, 13 is considered unlucky unlucky but it's actually a symbol of good luck by the hindus the greeks and the thais like the 13 gods of olympia of olympus yeah and you know a couple other things like that so there is also a fancy sciencey name for being afraid of 13 the number oh, 13 yeah. mm -hmm. um and it's triskaidekaphobia yeah, that. Yep. Triskaidekaphobia. Perfect. There we go. I was like, try ne They never, the phobias never look like they're supposed. Yeah. There's too many letters. They put too many letters in there. And I guess there is a, a friend's quote around that when I was doing research on it. And it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, for our friends fans. And I was like, I don't remember that. But apparently it's in part of the trivia or something i don't know anyway it's um so 13 is also linked to femininity because we have our 13 lunar cycles mm. which i didn't really think about that i didn't realize we have 12 periods yeah so or 13 yeah because it's just a little bit short mm -hmm. of a month, right yeah and so i was like oh so interesting it's kind of like, i so didn't know that either I didn't. I was like, "What? Okay, yeah. Um, let me count that out. <laughs> yeah, let me fact check that." 
Um, but yeah, no. So there are other times that it's not bad luck. But anyway. Yeah. So there's a couple stories of, um, you know, where 13 over time has kind of developed this negative connotation. So in 1307 AC, there was a map. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying what time, time frame we're in. It could have been BCE, could have been BCE. It could have been, but it's AC. Um, so there's the mass arrest and execution of the Knights Templar. So oh. they were said to protect holy objects. The Knights Templar also acted as the bank to the kings of Europe. Um, so King Philip IV lost the war with England and conspired to have the Pope and the temp or conspired with the Pope to have the Templars taken out. Oh shit. Yeah, so they were charged with crimes of Satanism. <gasps> and <laughs> we both just sigh. <laughs> well, like, of course, that's what they charge them with, but they're right. also like holy knights. Yeah. Right. And so and it's you're like, the ones that are conspiring to murder people. Yeah. You're literally the ones who should probably be like, Concerned considered yourself. evil, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just like fresh. It's like so, but again, that's kind of where all this comes from is that it was like, um, so they're charged with crimes and other things, and then they the roundup took place on October 13th, 1307. Oh mm-hmm. Um, and they were said to be murdered and tortured. Oh. So, and that's like the end of the Knights Templar. Oh, it wiped shit. them out. It's yeah, that they're gone forever. It was the ex- the execution <gasps> like extinction of that entire wow group so that's awful that's where this like i think let me see Do if this is a friday it? i'm gonna see if it's a friday because it's october 13th that's gonna give me the the chills if it double goosey yeah it was friday no way yeah. oh my gosh yeah it was friday the 13th so that's part of where friday the 13th gets it's kind of spooky nasty well yeah that's awful yeah yeah um okay so now we're going to move into dining and why it is considered bad luck to dine with 13 so this has sparked a superstition that if you dine with 13 the first to rise is the first to die usually within the year what? Oh my god, I'd never get up. <laughs> it's like you just watch the whole thing. I'm just gonna sit here forever, you guys, and eat. <laughs> um, so a lot of restaurants, um, at least in the UK, from the research I was looking at, at least in the UK, was like they wouldn't seat 13 people. They'd they tried to split the group. Sure. Um, and there was one chef who was talking, and it was kind of like the elves, where it was like mm-hmm. Why not believe in the elves? Like, what does it hurt? Right. Like, that was his same kind of, like, Mm -hmm. temperature on it. He's like, I'd rather just not, just in case, you know. Just to be safe. Just to be safe. So there was one restaurant that if they have a group of 13, they would add a cat statue, and it would be the 14th (laughs) guest. (laughs) And I'm serious. Like, (laughs) 
<laughs> they won't see 13 people wow. without the cat statue because yeah. they're like, nah, it's good. And so this also comes up in, um, you know, I guess our folklore, like Harry Potter, and also um, I believe in Lord of the Rings as well. Um, so there's a Christmas feast with Dumbledore and Ron and 13 and Harry and Sybil Trelawney is there. And so it's like, that's like a small group of people are at Hogwarts for Christmas and mm -hmm. it's 13 and Trelawney calls out and she's like, who is the first to stand? Oh no. And it was like oh, between. Oh no, I remember you know, that. Yeah. And it was Dumbledore who stood oh, and he's the no. one who died in that, it, who was at that table. He was the yeah. next person to die in the series. I do so, love that she wrote that into there. And that's really subtle. I didn't even. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. <sighs> JK Rowling. I have issues with her, but I also, she's yeah, a damn she's, genius. She is. That's real subtle. That's real very, subtle. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember the Lord of the Rings reference. So, but anyway, it's been brought up in, mm -hmm. I, you know, the things that will be considered our folklore and fairy tales, I'm sure. We'll fact check that. Yeah. Um, so there are two reasons that this dining with 13 is considered unlucky. Um, the first one is, of course, Jesus and his 12 disciples at the Last Supper. So 13, including himself. Um, and it's said to have been on Thursday the 12th Oh, is when the Last Supper was. So that yeah. would make the next day of his crucifixion the 13th, mm -hmm. Friday the 13th. Yeah. If you know anything about the Bible, I know very little, but he was betrayed by his disciple Judas. So mm -hmm. he is said to be the first to rise, but the last, you know <clears> – <throat> But Judas was the last to show up, and so there's just that kind of oh, like right? betrayal and um, well, so maybe maybe because and this is I also don't know a lot of the Bible, but he so they had the Last Supper, and then it's probably he was betrayed the next day because he wasn't crucified the next day. I mean, it was like it was some time later because he had to go to some king and some. I can't remember exactly what happened, but maybe it was, I mean, betrayal is betrayal. Yeah. They were saying that like, it says in my notes, it was, it's contested amongst mm, theologists gotcha. of sure. like the dates and yeah. how it all kind of came yeah. to be. So that's, that's one of them still. Yeah. Um, and then in Norse mythology, so shout out, um, as we learned last week, Loki was kind of a butt. <laughs> kind of <laughs> kind of a butt um he arrived at a feast of 12 norse gods and he was the 13th while he was there balder a favorite of the norse gods who was a symbolized he symbolized beauty and good in the world was killed at that feast um so another time where 13 ended in tragedy so that's where people are like, nah, we're good. Yeah. So don't sit with 12 or 13 people at your table. If you got it, you know, set up a kid's table and hang out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the last thing that I have to talk about um, is 
this negativity around 13 in tall buildings and why it skipped. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, 13 in many tall buildings and hotels and so on don't have a 13th floor labeled due to issues with tenants and guests and more. So like cleaning staff, it's, it's literally to cater to people's superstition. Because if you're an owner or a landlord of a building and you've got a 13th floor with eight apartments on it, people aren't going to live on the 13th floor. No. So they're technically though, I, I kind of had a moment. I was like, they just skipped the 13th floor, but there's 13th floors. It's just labeled 14. It's just labeled differently. Right. So it, yeah. So, but it's said that 85% of elevators do not have a 13th floor. Wow. And that is purely for superstitious people to avoid issues and to avoid that floor not being used or, you know, it's like they just skip it. Isn't that wild? That is. I mean, it feels, I feel like it would be more advantageous to just build the floor, but like wall it off so that you're really not living on the 13th floor. Right. Yeah. I'd be like, I'll skip the 14th too. Right. Make sure I'm on. 14 or above. 15 or above. Yeah, 15 or above. Don't. Yeah, don't. I don't (laughs) want your pretend 13 either. I don't want your pretend floor. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's what I have about um, unlucky 13. Wow. It's kind of freaky. (laughs) It is a lot freaky. I didn't know that is spooky. We're never going to have a dinner with 13 people. No. Except for the baker's dozens. That's the only lucky thing. Yeah. Wow. Or, or a really, you know, strong witch coven. Yeah. And, you know, like, Ooh, yeah. I kind of like the 13 lunar cycles and the witch coven mm-hmm. being 13 yeah. because it's mm-hmm. like, ooh, okay, there's some feminine power there. Mm-hmm. But the other stuff is all really scary and I don't It's like all it. spooky. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Could stub your toe or you could die. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> so, yeah. That was great. Thanks. Yeah. I was really excited to talk about it. I've been, like, as I said, this has been in my notes for a long time. And I've been like, yeah. Ooh. ooh yeah. I'm really sad it wasn't our 13th episode, but. Oh, that's okay. I'm glad. I am kind of glad that it wasn't our 13th episode. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's best. So, that it's, it's probably for the best. <laughs> we don't want We don't much. need that kind of. We don't need that kind juju. of. Juju. Yeah. That bad no. juju. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in, hanging out. Yeah. If you want to check us out, uh, go to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just look up More Than Myths. Send mm-hmm. us an email at morethanmythspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you if you hear something that we maybe said wrong. Um, if you have a suggestion for something that you want to hear us talk about. Mm-hmm. Or if you just want to say, hey, good job, you we guys. Love We'd love, love to it. hear from you. Yeah, and also uh, go ahead and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Both of them, please. Both of them, please. Leave us a review. Yes, leave us a review. Only five star preferred. Please. Please. (laughs) Make sure you check out our Instagram. We have a giveaway coming up soon. So stay tuned for some really cool new stuff that we're going to be sharing on our Instagram. Uh, Check it out. So. As always, remember, if you love us, tell your friends, tell your family, and tell your mom. 
tell your mom. Until next time, stay curious. Bye. Bye.